Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. December 21st, the winter solstice, first day of winter, and we are once again live on the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. We are your friendly, neighborhood, weekly social webcast, finally giving that voice to nearly 5 million young adults affected by cancer. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is on the air. Welcome to tonight's broadcast, my friends. We are here to change the world, one chemo infusion at a time, and share all of our collective craftness. This broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the next generation of survivors and co-survivors. It's all about us, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. The past three decades of cancer progress have failed the next generation, so there's no reason to think the next 30 years will be any different unless change happens right here, right now. Join us and be the change that needs to happen. Hell, we invented Google and Facebook and Twitter. We kept Sanjaya on American Idol all those weeks. We can do anything we want. This is Generation Cancer. It is our fight and our duty to give back to our own generation. We have the sheer numbers, the voting power, and the influence to change the rules. Because remission is not an excuse for cure. And survivorship is all that really matters. Last week's show, Health 2.0, with doctors Edward Shin and Jean-Luc Neptune from Heologica. Our friend Susanna Fox chimed in from Pew Internet, the American Life Project, and returning champion Jane Saracen Khan, health economist, founder of Think Health, and the blogger of Health Populi. Tonight's show, Stupid Cancer Nutrition Part 2. In our spotlight, Kim Martin, 26-year young adult survivor of Hodgkin's, certified nutritional consultant and fitness trainer, founder of KimMartin.com, that's Kim with a Y. Rebecca Katz, cancer advocate and the chef and author of the Cancer Fighting Kitchen. And Dr. Alejandro Junger, director of integrative medicine at Lenox Hill Hospital, the author of Clean, the book, and the founder of Clean TV. 
So hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, the penultimate broadcast of 2009. And a Stupid Cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, coming in July from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a 13-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Joining me live in the chat room and the studio tonight, our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Bufar. Hello, Jack. Hi, Matt. How's it going? You're right over there. I'm right here. I'm in the chat room and I'm next to you. My goodness. That's way too much Bufard for any one person to handle. Anyway, Jack will be monitoring said live concurrent interactive chat room. So if you have something to say, let him have it and grill him with simple questions to stump his tiny little simian brain. What? Exactly. Anyway, we have a guest in the live studio audience tonight. It is my pleasure to introduce Benjamin Vivo Wachter. Ben, how you doing? Doing well, man. How you doing? You get applause. Thanks for having me. Now, Ben, I know you don't want to be put on the spot, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, you are a survivor of? Hodgkin's. Hodgkin's. And uh, how recently were you diagnosed? Uh, it was about three years ago. And how are you feeling? Feeling great. Obviously, chemo doesn't cure ugly. Okay, <laughs> moving on. And <laughs> Do not steal what my doctor said to me and use it for your radio show. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. I read a quote yesterday. Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci said that great artists create, but greater artists steal. I think that's the quote. That's true. I could be corrected. Just look at Led Zeppelin. Yeah. What? Okay. Anyway. So, anyway, so uh, Carol will not be joining us tonight. I believe she will be here for our final show. And then I'm sad to say Carol will no longer be with the Stupid Cancer Show. She is moving on to bigger and better things. We will say goodbye to her next week. Uh, we are bringing on a new co-host next year, uh, someone extraordinarily awesome and cool. Me! No. Oh. And there's certainly, <laughs> while there is certainly no replacement for Carol Rosenthal, she is one of a kind. I think everyone here will be fantastically uh, blown away by who we're bringing to the show. So with that said, a little bit of a teaser and uh, all that good stuff. So... What uh, I guess the most important thing we have to talk about tonight before we get to the news and the show and the guests is uh, every now and then we have a, a reality check with I2Y. We like to have fun. We like to poke a stick. We're really a feel-good brand, lifestyle organization. We love the young adult movement. We're passionate. We're all about survivors and celebrating their lives and helping people to rebuild their self-esteem, feel good about themselves, make sense of the madness. But the reality is that survival rates in young adults have really not improved in 30 years. We're working to change that. Change is already happening. But at the end of the day, we lose a lot of good people every year unnecessarily before their time. And this particular week was um, – It sucked. It, it was it, it, exceptionally crappy. Uh, we lost three. I'm sure we lost more than three. But there were three uh, specific I2 wires uh, who lost their lives this week, and uh, Jack has a little more information to tell us about them. Yeah, um, it's been a tough week. Uh, we lost Kurt Owen, who was part of the D.C. group, and uh, he was uh, 31 years old, Matt. And his wife, Jennifer, uh, you know, Jen, I don't know if you're out there listening, but our hearts are certainly with you. You're in our prayers, and, um, you know, you and, and Kurt are, are why we fight. Uh, we also lost Sean Felty, who was from the D.C. area, and he is Mr. May for the 2010 Colander, which wow. is, which is right. uh, Hannah Vogler's 
Colon Club's calendar where they take colon cancer survivors and basically make a calendar of them showing off their scars and posing and, you know, just uh, the fact that they overcame the colon cancer and and whatever. But Sean uh, unfortunately lost his battle, and uh, he was actually laid to rest earlier this, earlier today. And the tough one is Kristen Meyer, who is uh, a personal friend from Connecticut, and uh, we lost her on Thursday. And uh, I actually attended her wake um, earlier this evening before uh, coming down to the city. And, you know, she is uh, she was a trooper, you know, right up to the end. And, uh, and she's been to the show. She's been to the show. She was actually with me when I did my Dr. Oz segment. Remember, she was. Remember my Dr. Oz segment? Oh, the, um, the, when I asked Dr. Oz uh, in poop. front of a national audience if it was okay to hold your poop? Yes. Yeah, Kristen was with me that day, and uh, she was again with me the next day when we uh, had the taping of the show. Um, but, you know, I, I, I had the, the chance to talk to her parents uh, earlier today and, and her friends, and, and they're really doing well. They're actually doing better than I expected them to be, and they're certainly grateful that she's not suffering anymore, and she certainly will be missed. But, um, you know, it's, it's just hard, and Kristen was also 31 years old, so... You know, we lost three people in their low 30s this week, and you know, some you know some we just were connected to through the community, and some we were personally connected to. So, so yeah. So I guess if you'll all just join us in a brief moment of silence. All right, thanks. So this is why we uh, we do what we do, Matt. It certainly is. And Stupid effing cancer. Well, you can curse. It's not the FCC that's going to come after. Yeah, you. I know, but Kristen's family is going to hear this tomorrow. That's right. So. That's right. So, so yeah. So that's where we're at. Reality check for the evening as we start to end. Start to end. The beginning of the end of 2009, the first day of winter. Uh, blizzard snowstorm that anyone from the uh, Midwest or Rochester would call or the, us. The Mid-Atlantic states. They call us pussies because we've got 12 inches of snow and right. the whole city shut down. Yeah, in fact, Sean's uh, funeral was delayed a day. It was pushed back a day. So everyone was speculating that he sent the storm just to screw with everybody. Wow. So, yeah, it was supposed to be yesterday, and he uh, they had a services today. So so what else is going on? Uh, uh, I don't know. What else is going on? I mean, this is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it's tough. But, it's a tough time. you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a reality check. Um, I also want to send big hugs to our dear friend, Tamika Felder, from D.C. Um, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of her mother's passing, and she was also close to Sean Felty. And, uh, you know, she, she had a, a, you know, a tough week just, you know, being part of the cancer community and then reflecting on, uh, you know, certainly the bond that she had with her mother. Well, let's talk about happier stuff. I know yeah, a, lot, a lot of people in the chat room, a lot of people listening already know that my wife is pregnant with twins. Yay! And, um, yeah, you know what? That gets one of these. I'm just, I don't care. I'm giving myself applause. And, and you're the father of both of them? I am the father of both of them. Wow. Yeah, not. Okay. Right, that's enough of that. Yeah, so, um, anyway, so with that said, uh, the most interesting well, I'll ask you, Jeff. What do you think the number one question people are asking me as soon as they find out that she's pregnant? Are you practicing staying up all night? That's actually one of them. That's not a question, though. Um, well, have, it is a question. Have, have you said goodbye to all your friends in your social life? 
No, they are. Are you going minivan shopping? Right. Yes, we're we're treading in the Subaru that I just bought. For Have us. you seen Mr. Mom? <laughs> Keep them coming. I'm trying to think. I I, I can't no, relate on any level. It's, do you know what they are? Sex wise. Oh. That was the easiest question you could have possibly forgotten to ask. It, do, it, do you know what they are? Yeah, they're tadpoles. Yeah, they're, they're actually, they're bigger than the tadpoles. They're probably like the size of a, uh, I don't know, they're, they're big now. Like, she said apples like a week and a half ago, so I'm going to go with like large grapefruits at this point. But no, we do not know. So apples as in like iBabies or iTwins? iTwins, yes. Uh, we do not know um, whether we're having a boy or a girl or a boy and a boy and a girl and a girl. We will be finding out in about two weeks. And rest assured, life will never be the same. Can I come to your appointment? I thank you for completing that sentence. Can I come to the appointment? <laughs> the appointment is, um, is is being withheld from public knowledge for the safety of uh, said pregnant wife. Oh. Ma- meaning we don't want you there. You know what? I'm tired of this. I hear that about the pregnancy visits. I hear that about the holiday parties. <laughs> I hear about it, you know, with everything. All your girlfriends and everything, too. My my what? Everyone in the chat room is asking me if I'm ready. Am I ready to be a father? Is anyone really actually ever ready to be a parent? And I've learned that. Not rhetorical. Octomom. Octomom was... She was ready. Yeah, I guess so, I guess so. I, I, I'm as ready as I can be um, with respect to the fact that I know nothing and I'm learning. And and you saw my tweet this week. You got your I, book, I, right? I have my book. It's it's the clueless dad's clueless dad guidebook to being a clueless dad or something like that. Anyway, the first sentence in the forward to that book was interesting. It's like I'm writing this book practically in my sleep because my wife and I just had twins. Like this is not the way to open up a book and invite people to start reading it. You're scaring me on the very first sentence. You also have to practice driving your minivan like eight miles an hour. Oh. I'd like, I'd like the, uh, the the Verrazano Bridge. I'm going to have to become one of the Orthodox Jews that drive at three miles an hour with their... Uh, oh, you're getting a Cadillac? What? <laughs> Speaking of Orthodox, where is Yosef these days? I know. I was, was going to bring him up, but I didn't think anybody knew what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, we don't know where Yosef is. I try to sound Yosef Eliezer, if you're out there, get your ass back to the studio. We miss you, bro. So anyway, so yeah, that's what's going on. So we're finding out the sex in about two weeks. Uh, of course, we'll probably make the announcement to the world, and then we'll launch our registry, and everyone will buy us tons of crap that we actually want. Yeah. I'm going to get you Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Yes, okay. Well, the fact that we have 28,000 listeners on this show, and I just told them we're launching a registry, uh, I think we need a bigger house. Yeah, we do? Yes, you and I need a bigger house. Okay. All right, fabulous. Just get a bigger couch. That's all I need, my friend. <laughs> We're probably getting rid of that couch. You're going to scum asleep on the floor. All right. Just don't put me in the kids' room. Uh, the kids' room is my office at this point. Maybe we can get, like, triple bunk beds. <laughs> oh, that's exactly. No, we're going to get you the Ricky Stratton car. Ricky Schroeder car? Well, his uh, his character's name was Ricky Stratton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me, like, the, the train, too. Yeah. And Aaron Gray. Who? Aaron Gray. That was the actress who played. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kate. Yeah, who, no, nobody knew who the father was, but everyone knew, knew who Aaron no Gray was. No idea what's going on. <sighs> so other big news this week, Matt, yes. is the uh, the survey was actually uh, completed today. Yes, the stupid cancer survey uh, was capped at 400 completions today. So within the span of a week, I want to thank everyone out there that took the survey. If you are going to take the survey and you go there and it says the survey has been taken, not by you, 
but that means it has been completed. We're going to update the language tomorrow to make sure it says thank you for trying, but you missed your chance at winning a $50 iTunes gift card. Be more appropriately proactive the next time and follow Matt's Facebook and Twitter feed religiously. How's that? Okay. Yeah, there you go. I do anyway. I know you do, but you're paid to. I am? You're paid in love. And potato chips. And potato and sun chips. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, uh, let us uh, move on to the news, and then we'll get to our, our guests. All righty here. News. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce worthy news stories to our adoring listeners to inform them about the latest and greatest in young adult programs, services, events, projects, and other stuff that you might like. If you have an upcoming program, event, press release, or project that you would like to hear broadcast during this part of the show, please fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or email Jack Buffard at jack at i2y.com. Take it away, bro. Hi, everybody. Here's your stupid cancer news. Head on over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is the official social calendar of the Omsi Young for this Cancer Foundation. Cook's Children's Adult Group Annual Retreat is being held January 29th through the 31st of 2010. Contact Lisa Bashmore at area code 682-885-2125 if you would like to attend this retreat. Yaks of D.C., a young adult survivor support community made possible by our friends at Smith Farm, is hosting their young adult group on the first Tuesday of every month from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. All events are held at Smith Farm. And for more information, go, you can email, I'm sorry, email yaksofdc at gmail.com. Speaking of Yaks of D.C., they are hosting their Chris Carr's Crazy Sexy Cancer movie and discussion group on Tuesday, January 5th at 6.30. Crazy Sexy Cancer is an irreverent and uplifting documentary about a young woman who was diagnosed with an incurable form of cancer at the age of 31. With humor, inspiration, and creativity, she explores various healing modalities and what it means to be a young adult with cancer. Come watch the video that launched Chris Carr into the forefront of the Yaks movement. Snacks and discussion to follow. Head on over to crazysexycancer.com. Next up, we have 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter K.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two, two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet the needs of this underserved population. Cancer care programs for young adults are as follows. Living with cancer for those in active treatment. Life after cancer for those post-treatment, young adults loss of a parent, young women with breast cancer, young adult individual grief counseling, I think I need that today, young adult caregiver for all diagnoses and relationships. For more information about cancer care programs, contact our friend Julie Larson at jlarson at cancercare.org. And finally, we have Live On, Spur Banking by Mail. For cancer patients, don't do what I did, guys. You can't just throw some sperm in an envelope and mail it to your fertility clinic. You need a live-on kit. For more information on sperm banking by mail, please go to www.liveonkit.com. Live sperm banking by mail is made possible by our good friends at Fertile Hope, and I would personally like to send a big holiday thank you 
to my buddies at the law firm of Dewey, Screw, and Howe for clearing up my sticky situation with the United States Postal Service. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Oh, boy. Actually, I have, um, before, Jack, before we get to Tim, I have a, a, a small announcement to make. Julie Larson is no longer going to be our immediate contact at Cancer Care. Do you know why? What? 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 Because she has a baby. Julie Larson welcomed Mackenzie Larson to the universe yesterday. Congratulations to Julie Larson on the birth of her beautiful daughter. Yay. She's obviously not listening tonight, but for those of you that know Julie in the New York City area, feel free to send her a nice little mazel tov on Facebook. We're all very, very, very happy for her. She's been working very hard for this, and uh, she deserves She's great. all the happiness. She and Shane, God, God bless them. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so let's, uh, let's get to our first guest here. What time is it? 9.20. My first guest is a certified nutrition consultant, fitness trainer, and 26-year young adult cancer survivor. She was diagnosed with stage 2A Hodgkin's lymphoma three uh, weeks, just weeks after her 17th birthday. She was blissfully unaware of the link between diet, lifestyle, and disease until age 30 when she read Enter the Zone by Dr. Barry Sears. For over 13 years, she's been passionate, passionate student teacher and advocate of holistic nutrition. She is a wife, mother, and successful business owner in the health and wellness field. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, my old friend, my buddy, Kim Martin. Hello, Kim. Hello, Matthew. How are you? My darling, it's been too long. I know. It's great to hear your voice. Ah, so welcome. Congratulations. Please let me congratulate you on the twins. I saw your Facebook page recently and your beautiful wife was, uh, you know, showing, and I thought, ooh, I got to congratulate Matthew, and I had no idea you had twins. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, we we did IVF, so we we were not expecting twins. It was a fifty percent chance, but mm-hmm. you know, there you go. It's meant to be. Getting our money's worth, I suppose. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thanks so, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. This has been a long time coming, and you and I have known each other for a very long Of all the I2Y young adult cancer crowd people, I think you and I have known each other probably the longest, probably since like 06, 2005, 2006. Yes, it's been that long. Yeah, very long time. It's good. So I'm coming up on my 14-year cancer anniversary, but you're on your 26th. Tell us what life was like uh, in the Cretaceous era of when you got diagnosed. Oh, um, back in 1983, um, I was uh, playing softball. That was my sport of choice in high school and was at practice. And I was just feeling my neck for some reason, and I came across a couple of lumps and had no idea what they were. So I asked my coach, and he said, oh, they're probably polyps. I wouldn't worry about it. So a couple weeks went by, and, you know, now I'm checking them, and I have found another one, and I thought, you know, this is just, something's just not right. So after several tests and scans and a biopsy, the doctors uh, had confirmed that I had stage 2 Hodgkin's, and sitting in the hospital room getting the news at 17, I had no idea when they said, you know, your daughter has cancer. It didn't resonate with me. And then when they said her chances are 75-25, I got it. I thought, okay, this is serious. Um, and I looked at the doctor, and I remember saying, you know, those odds just aren't good enough. <laughs> and he said, well, we'll do some surgery. We'll see if it's spread below the diaphragm, and if it hasn't, your chances will go up to 90-10. I said, I can live with that. Okay. So it was just, 
it was a whirlwind. I mean, I had no idea. I had I had to say I was justifying my symptoms away because I did have classic symptoms. I had the chronic cough, but I smoked at the time. So that was justifiable. I was exhausted, and I was living the lifestyle of a teenager, so I could justify that. And the, the symptom that I truly believe saved my life is my right arm went numb, and that I could not explain. So that's really what precipitated my getting more and more tests because I had a, lo- a node that had enlarged to the size of an egg, and it was sitting on the artery and cut off the circulation to my right arm. So, and, and so the doctors that you were seeing at the time, I assume you saw, did you go to the, the, the high school nurse first, or did you have a GP back then? Or You know, I went to a GP. I went to an internist, and it's funny because the summer before I had spent in Arizona, and the doctors could not figure out what was wrong with me, so they were trying to rule out a fungus that I had picked up in Arizona. So the joke that went around in high school was, you know, there's a fungus among us because the doctors just had no idea. And it was finally after doing multiple chest X-rays, which blows my mind that they missed it because it was clear as day, um, and doing a biopsy that they finally found it. So, yeah. So back in the 80s, I have to say I had a very young radiologist right out of school. Um, I didn't know any better at the time. And, you know, I had a team, like we all do when we go through treatment, but he was great. I mean, he was fantastic. I still keep in touch with him. Um, he grew up with his family, and he's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's just the sweetheart of a doctor. So I got, I was blessed in that end, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I will tell you the toughest part for me was not the treatment. I had eight weeks of radiation. I had my spleen removed and, you know, had standard tests. Who needs spleens anyway? Come on, spleens. Yeah, right. Please. Disposable, disposable organs. Yeah. And uh, the, what, what I found out years later, talking to a surgeon, he said, you know, back in the 80s, we took spleens for science. So there's a good chance that you probably didn't need to lose your spleen. I'm thinking, oh, good to know, right? So I donated my organ without consent, <laughs> potentially. Oh, that's I, just fantastic. We'll never know, but yeah. That was something I, f- I found out about five years ago. So soup to nuts uh, from from um, Dave diagnosis to completion of treatment. How how lo- how long was that for you? Uh, it was just about four months. All right. So you're pronounced disease free, and you're you're beginning that five year journey towards what they claim to be remission. Mm-hmm. You're twenty something years old. Uh, and you're still eating Twinkies, and you're still drinking, and you're still are you still smoking? Or you stopped smoking? No, I smoked for seven years after. Oh my goodness! God bless. <laughs> you know, I have something to interject. Crazy, with this, and I've mentioned stupid. this on the show a whole lot. I don't have the actual reference to it, but I, I read something, and and I saw it again twice. So it, clearly, the internet must be true. That there's some gene that lives inside us that lay dormant until we're in our early twenties. And when that gene becomes active, it gives us a sense of um, fight or flight that goes beyond instinct. So this notion of being invincible when you're in your tweens, teens, and early, you know, late, late teens, very early twenties, mm. is is genetic. Like mm. we're not we're not genetically predisposed to believe we're vulnerable. And then some gene kicks in in your twenties, and that's when you you have like the, um, you know, it's not the fear of God, but you sort of believe that, you know, bad things can actually happen to you, mm-hmm. which is why you can't really stop teens from smoking who decide to smoke because they don't actually ever convincingly believe that bad things can happen, and it's not a conscious choice. 
Mm-hmm. I just found that interesting. So, so congratulations on smoking after cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so silly. So I, then you I, then you grew up and became thirty when life becomes real, mm-hmm. and uh, you're right under the zone. And what what what's it like? There are a lot of really intelligent people out there. Clearly, mm-hmm. you're one of them. Jack is not. But clearly, you and huh? I speak for the population of people that appreciate facts, rational thought, common mm-hmm. sense. Everyone knows at this point, and if you don't, you don't deserve to know, that diet and exercise, eating well, low stress, reducing you know, uh, contaminants leads to a healthier quality of life. Mm-hmm. Why did it take the book to teach you that? You know, no. back then people weren't talking about it as we are today. It wasn't in the media every day. Um, it was starting the attraction that, you know, books like Enter the Zone were becoming more popular, but I just wasn't tuned in. Um, I was still living the lifestyle of a, you know, young professional, and I was driving in, my car, in a friend's car. I saw the book on her seat. I picked it up and immediately opened up to the section on cancer. And I thought, well, that might, that's meaningful. So as I started reading, it grabbed me. It really, the hook was there to say, you know what, I have a choice. I have a choice about how I'm going to live out the rest of my life. You know, because the, the first part of my life, I didn't have a healthy upbringing. I did not treat my body with the respect and honor as far as diet and exercise go. So I did, truthfully, in my mind, play, I had a hand in my diagnosis because I over-toxified my body. And... Now, going forward, I believe fully that we have choices that every day our body's moving towards a state of health or away, and it all comes down to the choices we make day by day. And I have been able to move across the spectrum, and, and I'm older and healthier now than I've ever been. So, you know, to be able to ride that trajectory without a doubt, keeping your body, um, feeding it, nourishing it keeping your mind healthy because we know the emotions have a big impact on our health. Um, it's not just what we feed our body, it's what we think as well. And all of that really does have a huge impact on the quality of life that we will live now but also going forward. Because as, can- as we develop cancer, cancer doesn't happen overnight. It's a process within the body that happens over time. And so does recovery. So let's fast forward. 26 years later, here we are today. You are a certified nutrition consultant. We have about two minutes left. You are are a certified nutrition consultant. Mm -hmm. You are here to teach people exactly what it is that you just spoke of, your philosophy of wellness, Mm -hmm. which is based on common sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some, uh, in our closing moments here, what are some some specific tips you can offer the 17-year-old out there without them trying to, without guilting them for feeling invincible, that's not their fault? Who's you know who's a college student living the the lifestyle of a college student, where it's very difficult to you know keep kale in the fridge next to the the, the, the Heineken, and right. there's Taco Bell and Dunkin' Donuts on campus 24/7. You know that's an excellent question and it was not the easiest answer because the food supply is working against them. Um, cheap food is unhealthy and. That demographic, unfortunately, doesn't have a lot of disposable income, and because they're, you know, we're young, we we do think that we've got time on our side and that our bodies are more invincible. Um, having said that, though, it doesn't mean that they can't put some of the money they're spending 
toward healthier, low-cost foods like beans and rice or lentils, um, other grains. Grains are very inexpensive and they're very hearty. Um, great vegetables, you know, whatever they can get as far as greens into their body um, and spending more on vegetables than fruit because vegetables have minerals and minerals are essential to the body. Fruit has a lot of vitamins, but, you know, if I had to pick one over the other, I'd, I'd go for the vegetables. Um, and just to really be mindful of eating small meals six times a day as opposed to eating three big meals during the day because it'll keep their energy level more balanced and it'll keep their blood sugar better regulated. And those are really important factors for mood and um, just overall performance. So those are the keys that I would recommend for um, young active adults and young adults um, who are trying to live on a low budget. All right, did everyone get that? Because, you know, Kim's going to come beat you down if you don't listen to her. <laughs> what? I will say the one the one challenge that I, I really resonate with the young adult survivors, even being 43 years old today, is when I was diagnosed at 17, you know, it was the summer between high school, between junior and senior year of high school, and I started my senior year of high school a completely different person and no longer really fit in with my peers but wasn't yet accepted as an adult because... I was 17, even though I just had an adult experience, I wasn't accepted into that group. So for anyone out there who's just wondering who your peers are now, because you, you've been caught at an age where you, you're not sure where you connect, I feel for you, and I, I love that you, Matthew, are putting all this information out there so that people going through that don't have to wonder who their peers are. You're making that connection so they know. That wasn't available way back when, so that's why I love I love the work you're doing, and I love you for doing it. And I love you, and it's been a very long romantic affair that we've been having. <laughs> and we're both married. You have kids, and my kids say. are coming. Yeah, but, you're not, but, not uh, supposed to talk about that. Yeah, well, we'll have you back. We want to do Kim Martin moments on the show. I think Thank there's you. a lot of value you can offer our, our listenership, and clearly we're not out to make 17-year-olds feel less invincible, but making them aware that there are smarter choices to a generation mm-hmm. that is clearly much more savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, than the predecessors. But I wish you and Ross and the kids a beautiful holiday season, Happy New Year, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you. Same to you, Matthew. Kim Martin, everybody. <laughs> so basically the moral of the story is I can eat whatever I want. The moral of the story is that no matter what you do, uh, Kim is going to beat you up. Well, well, yeah, I guess. She is female, right? Yeah, yes, she is. All right, next guest. Rebecca Katz is the author of The Cancer Fighting Kitchen, nourishing big flavor recipes for cancer treatment and recovery, and One Bite at a Time, nourishing recipes for cancer survivors and their friends. She is the executive chef for the International Food as Medicine Training Program and Cancer Guide, and is a visiting chef and nutrition educator at Commonweal Cancer Health Program in Bolinas, California. Please welcome to the show the one and only Rebecca Katz. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm fine. I'm I'm in California, and it's not snowing. And, and we hate you. You're, all right, Rebecca Katz, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> I love your Facebook profile picture. How, where was that taken? Oh, that was taken at the farmer's market 
two years ago, and I've got a handful of um, fresh thyme that I'm sniffing. And then I've got that, you know, mercurial little look in my eye that says, hmm, what am I going to do with these herbs and spices? I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, I mean, I, I first, I I actually, thought, I've heard it, what? I thought that was something else that she was, uh, fresh thyme? No, yeah, I thought that was a different ah. green substance. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now you that know was what? that medical thyme that they sell at the grocery now store. Now you know why Jack just stays over there. <laughs> I was going to say, I... I I've heard about your book for, for, for a while now, and I, we always find it fascinating to hear of people who are you know, actually the enablers of, of wellness in terms of practical solutions. Here's what you can actually cook. Here, it's not like you're sort of taking the choice out of it for us as a favor, because you never know what specifically to get on the shelf or what's going to work with anything, what's going to taste good. And I, I think it's a really relevant and necessary thing that you're doing. So, you know, you you have a master's in nutrition, you have a culinary degree, you're this incredible chef. What possesses you to write a cancer-fighting cookbook? Oh, gosh. People ask me that all the time. They're like, well, why why isn't this good for everyone? And right. the the answer is this is this is food that is fabulous for everyone. But I felt that the cancer community was really underserved in terms of recipes that were that were easy to do, that were nutrient dense, that were high in what I call the yum factor, um, where the book was beautiful to look at, where there was a healthy connection and a joy and some humor around food. And you know, normally people think of food and cancer like ants at a picnic, and it really doesn't have to be that way. And I just knew too many people that were, you know, that were diagnosed with cancer. Um, when I first started my journey, my father was diagnosed with cancer, and he was the biggest food lover ever. And um, I was a trained chef, and I didn't know how to cook for him, you know. I, and he said, look, food is the platform of my life, and it had to taste good. So really, it became an unbelievable challenge to find, to make, to make food taste really wonderful in all stages of somebody's journey through cancer, whether it's, you know, in treatment, after treatment, what makes you want to eat good, nourishing food? Well, it has to taste great. So that was the ultimate challenge for me. And that's what keeps it fun, actually. And also, I mean, just people receive the food, so there, there's just, I don't know, it's just, it's, you know, what can I say? I mean, people really appreciate a good meal. Well, I know you were listening to the show when we were talking to Kim. You know, we deal with a demographic that is very savvy. It's very online influenced, and it's looking for, you know, quick and easy, down and dirty turnkey solutions for food. You know, I grew up in an age when, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the dollar menu was invented, you know, things like that. Anything that they can do to get you to eat their crappy food that much more easily and efficiently. And I was diagnosed in college. Kim was diagnosed in high school. You know, what's your message to, you know, the majority of Americans who are in their early 20s and 30s, you know, who earn minimum wage or waitresses or whatnot? They don't really have... So the disposable income 
you know, to go out there and purchase good food to cook, or they may not have the time. You know, what's your advice to these people? And, and do your recipes, uh, are they scalable to cost measures? Are they scalable to time measures? Yes. And, you know, this is a great question because, you know, um, I was listening to Kim, and she made some great suggestions about things, that, making choices in terms of foods that are inexpensive to cook. Um, but sometimes, you know, we have to think, well, what is the one thing that I could do? Like, what's the one thing I could do? Could I make, can I make a big batch of magic mineral broth? Could I make, like, a nutrient-dense broth that's going to last me a whole week and is going to cost me, you know, $5 to make? And it's going to be simmering on the stove while I'm multitasking and doing 700 different things. And then, you know, I can sip it all week or I can make soups out of it or I can put it in a, you know, in a, in a, you know, a hot pot or, or I can just heat it up in a microwave and just put it in a, you know, in a, in a steel, stainless steel mug and just sip it. You know, sometimes it's just thinking, you know, Maybe it's one recipe. Maybe, oh, or maybe, oh, those eggs. I could do those eggs. I could do those easy eggs in a cup with, you know, a little bit of spinach thrown in there. Or, or you know, it's just, and sometimes looking through a book can just give you inspiration about maybe you're not the cook, but maybe you have people in your family that are cooks. Or maybe when you're going through, um, when you're going through a rough patch, reaching out to people who would help you with cooking. And I realize that this is a generation right now um, where, you know, not that many people cook. It's almost like a foreign language. But I think sometimes when people want to help um, and they want something tangible to do, um, saying, you know what, see this recipe, could you, like, make me a batch of this? You'd be surprised how, how you know, when you ask for it, it will come in that regard when it comes to food because that is an area where people feel like, you know, I could do that. So, well, I mean, well, I, let me, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Let me ask you this question then. You know, wh your recipes are for people that are going through treatment or that are post-treatment or that are just trying to, you know, because there are three stages of cancer. There's like the acute when you're in it. There's like the what's next, and then there's like the maintenance afterwards when you're in your like five years and then beyond. Uh, a lot of people that are on chemo, you know, they can't eat raw foods or food tastes really horrible, and 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 even even like chocolate and candy can't can't down stuff. What do you have solutions for those people, or is this more oh, geared yeah. towards yeah? Now, okay, this I designed this book, which is a little bit different than my first book, One Bite at a Time to deal with people who are going through the three different stages. So you're just diagnosed, you're about to go into treatment, there's a whole cancer-fighting toolkit where there are um, side effects that you might be experiencing during treatment and there are recipes that correspond to that. Because one of the things, um, as you pointed out, the foods that you used to gravitate to um, before, BC, um, when you're in treatment, are just going to taste horrible, um, and they're not going to support you through treatment. 
So that means, you know, changing strategy a little bit in terms of, you know, what you can get down you and what's going to power you through your treatment. Then, as you pointed out, the next phase, you know, when you're finished is, or even in between treatments, now what am I going to eat? You know, and then afterwards, what's going to keep my immune system fueled and and strong, you know, so that I can, you know, my body can heal and I can move forward. And, you know, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm eating 50% of what I'm eating is really fabulous for me. Well, my so, last question for you has to do, and this is really interesting, you know, we have the benefit here of living in New York where there's Whole Foods, you know, where there's Wegmans, where there's Stop and Shop, there's just everything's aplenty, and it's a, it's a cosmopolitan area of the country where there are socially conscious nutrition alternatives out there that are fairly considered culturally mainstream. Obviously, the overwhelming majority of this country doesn't live in these metropolitan areas where, you know, the Piggly Wiggly or the Safeway, you know, is the closest thing they're going to get to a decent meal. Um, do you have any, you know, recommendations or thoughts, or can you talk a little bit just about possible solutions for people that are just in the in the wrong areas of the country for access to these really necessary, uh, you know, options? Um, you know what? My always my biggest um, suggestion because I have I've traveled. I mean. I've traveled all over the place. I mean, a lot of nooks and crannies that I never thought I would find myself in and around this country. And um, every time in a, I'm in a new place, um, because I live in the bubble of the bubble of the bubble being in California. So um, I like to go into supermarkets and really see what is out there. And my big recommendation is as much as you can shop the perimeter of your of your local supermarket because I'll tell you something, even a sweet potato, and I know this sounds like a little, you know, basic, but even a sweet potato is going to provide you, it could be the perfect food for you, for anybody, anywhere. And I have found that there are just certain foods, like, for example, carrots are everywhere, sweet potatoes are everywhere. Um, these are like major high mineral, high in potassium, and so easy to cook. I mean, you can put a you can put a sweet potato in the oven. You can boil it. You can mash it. You can make soup out of it. I mean, so I mean, not that you're going to live off the sweet potatoes, but what I'm what I'm saying is that even in the most rural areas, there are there are foods that are actually really nutrient dense and cancer fighting foods. So it just takes looking, you know, on the outside because, you know, vegetables don't have a big marketing campaign, unfortunately, but they're there, you know. They, they So um, I think that's really, really one recommendation that I would make for people who aren't living in cosmopolitan, you know, places. The other thing, and I know that not everybody can do this, but I'll just throw this out for you, um, I – I have in, in the back of my book resources, and there are a tremendous amount of resources online for people to get foods that they want, um, you know, and so maybe it's a few things, 
but they're they're out they're out there and I've never seen like in five years since I wrote my first book One Bite at a Time and now the Cancer Fighting Kitchen just the unbelievable like plethora of food goods out there um, that can be sent right to your door not always the most cost effective way but for a few choice items not a bad way to go at all well Rebecca you've been a phenomenal guest um, I, can you tell our audience out there how they can learn more about your, your books or do you have a website yes um, my website is RebeccaCats.com or TheCancerFightingKitchen.com. And um, you can find out more about me in my book there. And um, you can find my book on Amazon and, um, and look at my fan page on Facebook. You're extraordinary. I love your work. You have some great insights. And I know everyone's going to – I hope everyone – I encourage everyone out there to go to RebeccaCats.com. Check out our books. I have a copy. It's fantastic. Uh, Carol Rosenthal would approve. Uh, Jack would not, but that doesn't matter. So <laughs> I'll eat anything. <laughs> Happy holidays okay. to you and your family. Enjoy not being in snow. Okay. Thank you, Matthew. Take right. care. Rebecca Katz, everybody. <laughs> All right. And that takes us to our third guest tonight. Dr. Alejandra Junger was born in Uruguay and graduated from medical school in 1990. The long hours, stress, and change in diet from the natural whole foods of South America to the predominantly crap-driven standard American diet soon reflected as Dr. Junger began suffering from irritable bowel syndrome and depression. Becoming a patient within Western medicine was a, such a shock to him that it started a journey of his own for an alternative solution to his health problems, his findings are the subject of his first book, Clean. Please welcome to the Stupid Camp Show, Dr. Alejandro Junger. Dr. Junger. Hey. Hello. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel like Rocky with all that music and clapping. You know, I, I'm fascinated by your story, and I'm fascinated by your career because it's always the people who go through something that is sort of the antithesis of their expectation when change happens. You are an allopathic Western medicine, medicinal practice doctor person, and you grew up in a culture of health and wellness. You come to McDonald land, you get sick. What's that like for a doctor to become the patient? Horrible. In this system, it was shocking. I could not believe what was happening to me, but even worse, I could not believe I was doing the same thing to my patients day in, day out. So your, uh, did you formulate most of these opinions on your own? Did you work with other doctors? Did you consult nutritionists? What type of research was involved in your figuring out the, uh, the conversations you were putting together to write your book? Well, I, I actually did not really think of even writing a book. The, the book was, was, uh, uh, was the idea of a friend of mine 
who, who was sitting down with the people from HarperCollins and called me in and, and basically introduced me to them and said, why don't you pitch your book? Now, the thing is, I, I, I was doing something that was helping a lot of people, so I just spoke about that, and they liked it, and they said they wanted to, to, to get a book proposal. So I went home and I Googled how to write a book proposal. I got a document, I followed the steps, and, and, and there was the book. <laughs> Pretty uh, straightforward. <laughs> it should only be that easy for everyone. Well, listen, it sounds easy, but, but, but it, took, it took me a long, long time to, to, to suffer with irritable bowel syndrome, depression, and severe allergies, to go and, and get the shock of, of being a patient in the system and getting prescriptions for, 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 for you know, an ill, for, a, a pill for an ill, and, and then having to travel, spend a year in a monastery in India, came back to the stage with the illusion or the delusion of, of of you know practicing integrated medicine, but but I was shocked back into the reality of five seven minutes of patient, and 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 you know basically had to had to drop out, and 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 also when coming back my symptoms came back because I was working back in the hospital, eating from cafeteria and long hours, so so I became sick again. And, and then I really started looking for a solution, which, like everything in my life, came just by chance, if, if that exists. You know, a friend of mine came knocking on my door. I had seen him 10 days before. When I opened the door, I was blown away. And, and you know, he looked younger. He had lost 15 pounds. And, and he, I mean, he exuded health. He was glowing. I was so floored. I asked him, you know, what, what he had done, and he told me he had gone to a holistic center to cleanse and detoxify. And, and I just run over there, this place called the We Care Center in, Palm Spring, in Desert Hot Springs, and, and in a month I quit my job in the hospitals, and I, and I, and I basically went there to research and study and, and, and help them out at the beginning just by, by you know, taking blood pressures and, and, and consulting with people about their medical problems. And later on, uh, after all my research in cleansing and detoxification, just to, to teach people about that. And that, so, was, so that, was, that was what changed my, my whole view on, 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 on health. I mean, outside of my, my, my humorous question of, you know, why didn't you just go back to South America and leave it to us to just be annoyed and, and, and fat and annoying up here? But outside of that, uh, can you just, for the sake of our audience out there, talk about cleansing? What is that specifically? What, what is the process of detoxification? Why is there a need for it? And what's the science behind it? Well, that's a, that's a long question, my friend. But I'm going to try to make it short for you. Detoxification is something your body is doing all the time. If it stops for a minute, you die. Your kidneys are detoxifying and forming urine. Your, 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 your intestines are detoxifying and forming stools. Your skin is detoxifying and sweating. You are breathing out CO2, which is a toxin. So, so you have ongoing mechanisms for detoxification which are needed, are basic to life, and, and should they stop for a second, you die. Now, Cleansing and detoxification as a program, as a, as a tool for health, is a period of time that one dedicates in order to enhance the, the detoxification organs and processes 
and also um, support the, those systems nutritionally and otherwise and, 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 uh, and create the conditions basically so that your body can enter the detox mode and, and fulfill its functions. So the, 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 the other part of your question was why is that needed today? And, and that question is really um, very simple. Right now, we are at a moment in evolution in which the world, the planet is so toxic that your life may depend on learning how to use your systems of detoxification and enhancement support. You know, we, we, Western science has this, this discussion, hey, we have the systems of detoxification, they're doing the job, we don't need to do nothing, it's all, it's all bullshit. It's, it's a little bit like saying, well, we have a system of, mus of muscles and bones, and if you leave it alone, it, it'll do its work. But look, what, look at what happens when you go to the gym and you learn how to do resistance training and you learn how to enhance certain muscles and certain groups of muscles. The things that we can achieve the, 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 you know, in, in sports, in, in precision, in, in strength, are, are unbelievable. So, so if you learn just how you learn how to use your muscles, if you learn how to use your systems of detoxification, you're going to do yourself a big favor. That is my observation over and over again after years of, of research and practice and, and doing it myself. The, science, the science behind it is extensive, and it's so extensive, I, I cannot even start to, to, to enumerate it for you. But there's, there's, a, there's a branch of medicine called the, the, the Institute for Functional Medicine, based in Dig Harbor in, in Seattle, in, in Washington, that, um, that, um, that has collected the, the, the relevant data, the relevant studies and published studies in, in prestigious magazines that cover different aspects of detoxification and, and in total leave no question behind the science. I have and a quick question. To, sorry to interrupt you here. I mean, we talk about, yes, we live in sort of a poisonous world and the, the consequence of the Industrial Revolution, so to speak. Um, the kidneys, nephrology, uh, nephrologists are a unique subspecialty. You're probably overwhelmingly familiar with this. But, you know, the kidneys are primarily responsible for cleansing the body. So if, let's say, a patient goes in for some blood work and it turns out that their kidneys are working fine, what's the specific need for cleansing? What, what is it that the cleansing does that the kidneys can't do? Well, first of all, you're oversimplifying things. The kidneys only get rid of things that are water-soluble. Most toxins today, most, most uh, exogenous, most uh, environmental toxins today are lipophilic. They're not water-soluble. So they stick to your fat. And, 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 and the thing is this, if you do not make them water-soluble, a process which is done by the liver, not by the kidney, in, in two very well-known uh, chain of reactions by the cytochrome P450, a chain of, 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 of enzymes in the liver that do this work in phase one and phase two, you, 
you, you will not make those toxins water soluble and they will never be excreted from your body. You will accumulate them inside your fat. And you know, 90% of your brain is made of fat. So, so you know, your premise of, well, what does, you know, what does the kidney, what kind of the kidney handle? The kidney cannot handle whatever it's not presented to it. So, so, you see, it's much more complex than that. Now, the problem is that the kidneys and the liver, they can do everything if you provide them with whatever they need. You know, the trillions of reactions in your body, of chemical reactions that form your body, that form your cells, that form your chemistry, are basically molecules that come from your food because you are what you eat. If there are certain molecules that you are not eating, that are not present in your diet, and they are needed for phase one or phase two liver detoxification, then you're not going to be able to do it. So, so that's a problem. So, so the, the process of cleansing and detoxification are much more complex than just the liver making some, the, the kidney making some pee. And, and one has to understand it and be able to, 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 um, uh, trigger the the whole process in a fashion in a fashionly way. In, I mean, in a way that that uh, that doesn't put people at risk, and then be able to support it. We had a question here in the chat room for you, which is uh, these toxins that are not water soluble. Is it possible to make them water soluble, or do you really have to provide the body with different tools to expunge them? The body is capable of handling toxic chemicals that are not even yet invented. This is the miracle of the body. But it has to have what is necessary. See, the body, let's say a liver, a liver cell is like a, like a cleaner. It needs, it needs a scrub, it needs soap, it needs, you know, it needs Windex, whatever it is. The, the liver needs B vitamins, it needs coenzyme Q10, it needs... Uh, uh, magnesium. It needs, I mean, I, I can go on and on about all the raw materials that the body, that the liver cell needs in order to make this, this, this lipophilic or, lo- or fat-loving toxins into a water-soluble compound that can be excreted. Now, the problem is that even if the, even if the, if the raw materials for the liver to do its work are there, you have to learn how to put your body into detox mode because the problem is this. The digestive system was given so much importance in evolution for thousands and thousands of years because they, digestion was where you suck the nutrients into your blood and, 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 and food was scarce. You know, thousands of years we were naked, running under the sun, looking for food. Basically, that was life. That was and me yesterday. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you wish. And and then and then um, and then you know once you found food, you ate it, and you, you, there were no Ziploc bags, there were no fridges, there were no you know, you, you couldn't take them with you, so so you ate them right there and then. So the body never knew when you know every meal was the last meal, so it had to really absorb everything, and the digestive system was given such importance and such authority that when it's working, when the digestive system is working, it doesn't like to compete for anything else. So it shuts every other system off 
uh, is the more the more work it has. Like for example, when you're digesting a big meal, you will go to sleep. You'll feel tired. You'll go to sleep. Your 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 digestive system has a has a brain that will you know will put you to sleep. Or I don't know if you heard from your mother or your grandmother. Don't eat and and and, and go and jump in the pool and swim when you're digesting, right? Yeah, of course. Always. So the, 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 the problem is that you will cramp, your muscles will cramp and you can drown. And the reason is because the digestive system has priority over the muscles. So if your muscles are spending too much energy because digestion needs the energy, it will shut off your muscles. So, so the digestive system also shuts off the, the full potential of the detoxification system. And that is why most detox programs have a component which is Either, either only, only water or only juices or only raw food, it has a component of the fact that, that it reduces the workload of the digestive system. You, know, you won't be digesting all the time. In, well, in, that, in, life, in life in America today, we are eating and digesting all the time. This is, I mean, this is incredibly fascinating and compelling. Uh, this is, I, and I'm learning as I go. These are just good questions to ask. We're running out of time, but I had one last question for you. Obviously, this show is specifically about young adults affected by cancer. Now, clearly, um, your book, Clean, is all about healthy living, better choices, and risk reduction um, for disease management. Do you have any specific advice for people with cancer that are in it right now about maybe talking yes. to their doctors specifically? I have, I have one, one very, very important concept or idea. And, and please don't, 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 don't stone me down before you think about it twice, okay? And, and, this, is, and this is the thought that I, w- I, w- I would love to leave you with, is that everything that your body does, everything, every single chemical reaction that your body is doing, is doing for one purpose and one purpose only that we can think of. I mean, there may be spiritual purposes that I don't, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I'm not licensed to talk about. But, but um, in, in, in a material sense, all, all your body is trying to do is survive. Everything is done to survive. If the body finds a problem, it tries to adapt and survive. If, 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 uh, if you get too much scratching in the skin, it will form a callus so that you don't, you don't, you know, it's trying to survive. If it gets irritation, it's going to try to, to buffer the irritation. It's always trying to survive. Now, it may be that your cancer or whoever's cancer is, is just a group of cells going insurgent, going terrorist, because your body's trying to survive something. And this, you know, like, 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 like in a country when, when conditions are bad and there's a group of terrorists that come out, that, that's a, if you look at cancer like that, if you look at cancer as, yeah, some, some cells went a little crazy and, 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 um, and, or, or stupid, but, but in the end, it may just be that it's your body trying to survive something. You know, I'm a cardiologist, and I tell my patients, coronary artery disease, what, you call, what we call coronary artery disease, which is the formation of plaque in your coronary artery, may be just your perfect body trying to survive the irritation of those arteries. And, it's, and what is your body trying to survive? Our lifestyle. So, so look at your lifestyle. Before you start you know, going crazy with, with, with herbs and things and, 
look at your lifestyle and see and see what what's what's happening. Are you stressed out of your mind? Are you are you angry? Are you suffering? Are you are you worried? Are you are you are you eating carbohydrates all day long? Are you stimulating yourself with coffee and cigarettes and and and, and then you know numbing yourself with alcohol at night? Um, start start with that. Those are baby steps, in my opinion. You've been a fantastic guest. We'd love to have you back on when we revisit nutrition in a couple of months. Uh, what is your website so that people can learn more? My website is, is cleanprogram.com. Cleanprogram.com, and you have the book and the TV show as well, correct? We have, um, we have a, a website community. We have like the Facebook of cleansing and detoxification. At this time, we have 3,000 people doing the clean program and, and inspiring each other by, by, by cleanse journals. I, we added a cleanse video sex, section. I just finished my own program and video blog every day throughout the 21 days. You can see my transformation, which is incredible. And, um, and, and a lot of people are doing that. It's, it's a lot of fun and, and, and really good. Well, we wish you all the best of luck, um, and uh, like I said, Happy New Year, best to you and yours. Good luck with everything. And, you know, my dad was treated at Lenox Hill and, uh, for his uh, angioplasty, and, and, his, um, uh, and uh, Lenox Hill saved his life. So thank you for working there. Thank you for taking care of listen, all of us. And, and listen, and one more thing. Are you familiar with the work of Ralph Moss? I am not. Well, that, that, see, for cancer people, that, that is, this is a must. There's a guy called Ralph Moss. His, his website is cancerdecisions.com. This is a guy that blew the whistle on, on, on you know, Western fishy practices. He was working at Sloan Kettering and then left 30 years ago and became a researcher. And he publishes on his website, you can get something called the Moss Report for your specific type of cancer. And it will tell you around the world what is being done, where, how to combine Western with alternative, where are the centers, how much they cost, what the telephone numbers are. I mean, it's unbelievable. I will send you, Matthew, if you want, a few MOSS reports that I have from patients of mine that I directed there and got the MOSS report for, for their type of cancer. And you will be blown away with the resources and the information that they have. Well, I will definitely take you up on that offer. Thank you very much for being our guest, and you take care of yourself. Good luck with everything. And, and good luck to you. Dr. Alejandro Junger, everybody. That was a good segment, Matt. That was a very good segment. I mean, clearly we could talk for hours and hours and hours about these types of things while you're out there eating Big Macs every night. Yeah, and I guess everyone took his advice to heart about, like, uh, detoxifying your lives because I now only have four friends on Facebook. Well, as long as I'm not one of them, I think we'll be fine. I think you are one of them. Oh, crap. All right. Well, with that, it's time for our closing sequence. Thanks, everyone, for a great show. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Love. like to thank our guests, Kim Martin, Rebecca Katz, Dr. Alejandro Junger, 
In our live city audience, Benjamin Viva Wachter. Next week's show, our final show of the year, Who the Hell is Hodgkins? In our spotlight, most likely with all good speed, Ethan Zahn. Young adult survivor Hodgkins, founder of grassroots soccer, winner of Survivor Africa. Starting a stem cell transplant, so if he's calling else, he'll be the bubble boy. Jolie Dillon, Senior Vice President of Patient Services at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and Dr. Leonard Sender, ITY Chairman of the Board, Chief Clinical Professor of Medicine at the Children's Hospital of Orange County. If you've missed any of our previous broadcasts, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at itunes.itunes.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week, live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard and Captain Stooping and I wish you all a phenomenal evening and a great week. Happy winter, everybody. Go to bed, Dory. Fuck out. out.